0: What an incredible joy for me to be able to minister with you this morning, to share with you, to pray with you. I would have loved to be in London hugging you, seeing you face to face. I feel just a little bit like John the Elder as he writes that I have many things to write to you, but I don't wish to share them to you with pen and with ink. I want to speak to you face to face and I hope that I can come to you and even so, as my trip has been delayed, my heart is very much with you. I am praying for you as a congregation, for your leadership team, for Hercules and Melania and the incredible work that God has called them to do there in London. I really hope that I may see you soon. I've actually never been to London and was so looking forward to spending the time. But just like you, we're in lockdown here. So I've set up my little home studio and my daughter is helping video this morning. She's manning the cameras and so excited just to be able to share with you and and to pray with you in just a few moments. Lockdown, uh, for us, I'm not sure exactly what you guys in the UK are up to, but for us here in South Africa, we're not allowed leaving our homes. We're stuck here for 21 days. We're allowed going out from time to time to buy some basic necessities and foodstuffs, but but we're stuck here in in a home and the evangelist in me is is challenged by that because how do we reach out? How do I bring about a change? It's amazing getting to spend the time with our family, to be with them, to be with the kids, to be with my wife. But at the same time, I know there's a kingdom that that needs to advance. And perhaps like me, you're, you're struggling just a little bit with that. There is one thing we can do, one thing that I believe we should be doing in this time more than just loving our families, which is obviously crucially important, more than just phoning our friends and being there for them, which is so important. We don't want to be isolated and alone in this time. I want us to think for for just a moment about prayer. I'm struck by Jesus and his relationship with his disciples, specifically with the 12 and and with the three, Peter, James, and John. Most of the time where we see Jesus working with his disciples, he's incredibly friendly. He's gracious at all times. He he seems to be forgiving, long-suffering, if you will, they mess up a number of times and, and He helps them, corrects them with so much love. He directs them, He instructs them, He leads them, He coaches them just like any good coach should do. But there's one moment in, in Scripture where Jesus seems to relate to His disciples just a little bit differently. We find that here in Matthew chapter 26 from verse 30 to 41, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can read with me if you will. They sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. This is just after the last supper that they've had together and they step out and Jesus leads them to this Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, "'Sit here while I go over there to pray.' He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, "'My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. "'Stay here and keep watch with me.' He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, "'My father, if it is possible, "'let this cup of suffering be taken away from you. "'Yet I want your will to be done.' not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Before we continue, may I ask that we take a moment, bow our heads and pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that we can gather together, Lord, across continents, across the ocean. Jesus, we can be together in spirit because of the power of your blood, because it's your spirit that dwells within all of us, Lord, that we are fellow citizens of the household of God. And so this morning I pray, Lord, that as I share that Holy Spirit, you would use these simple words coming from my mouth to bring about profound change and life in every person who hears, Lord. That you would impart life to them, that you would make your word living and powerful to them God this morning we declare again that it's not about the words I speak it's the word you speak that matters and so I ask Holy Spirit would you speak in every one of our hearts would you minister to us would you inspire us would you lead us would you direct us according to your ways would you reveal Jesus and his ways and his purpose to us in Jesus name we pray amen fascinated by this passage. I'm I'm fascinated for a number of reasons and and one of the things that really encourages and challenges me is how Jesus responds to his disciples. As I mentioned earlier pretty much everywhere else in scripture where we see Christ we see him gracious. We see him long-suffering. We see him very patient with his disciples. It's interesting here that, that as we read we read just a little bit differently. We read Jesus perhaps being frustrated, perhaps just a little bit disappointed in his disciples. He comes back after his time praying, and in the New King James, the wording is, what? Could you not even watch with me? One hour. Why would that be? Why would Jesus come to his disciples and react differently, be a little bit frustrated? What is the one thing here that makes this situation different? backing up just a little bit what's happening here is jesus he knows he's come to the end of his time here on earth he's about to go through immense torture and pain and suffering he has his three best friends with him three people who he's spent the last three years with he says guys would you pray with me would you spend time just a few moments praying with me over here while i go over there he comes back and he he finds them asleep I believe that the reason that he is frustrated, I believe the reason why he's disappointed a little bit is because Jesus believed in the power of their prayer. Jesus believed that their prayer over here would change something about his situation over there. Jesus believed that if, if they had been praying, if, if they were doing what he had asked them to do, his situation would have been different. Surely it's not that he would not have been crucified. It's not that he would not have gone through the process that went ahead. But, but maybe, just maybe, it lay within his disciples' prayer to change his experience of that circumstance. I believe Jesus was frustrated because he believed in the power of their prayer and they didn't. I'm pretty sure if Peter, James and John, if they believed in the power of their own prayer, they wouldn't have fallen asleep. Just moments before this, they've told Jesus, Jesus, we will never ever desert you. Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens, we'll be there with you. I believe they were sincere when they said that. And I believe that as they said that, they never understood the power of their prayer. That Jesus comes and He he says to them, Your prayer over here would change something over there. Pray with me. When I'm over there and you're over here. I believe that they were so sincere when they said to Jesus, Jesus, we will be there for you always. Yet somehow, for some reason, they didn't believe that their prayer would change things. They did not believe that their prayer over here would somehow influence what Jesus was going through over there. I'm pretty sure if they believed in the power of prayer, Peter would never have let John fall asleep. James would have made sure, hey guys, we need to stay awake. No, no, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Jesus comes and tells them just a little bit later. Wake up, come Peter, we need to pray. Jesus is going through some stuff. Our prayer changes what he's going through. As we go through lockdown, as we go through the situations our families and our communities, our countries even find themselves in, I wonder if you and I believe that our prayer over here changes something over there. Surely we should be praying around coronavirus. We should be praying around the implications, around families, around health care, around those who are giving their utmost to bring healing to all of us. But surely we should be praying for those who are far from Christ, those who are just struggling in life, those who need a relationship with Jesus. Surely there's much God's called us to pray for. Doesn't he say that we should pray for his kingdom to be done here on this earth as it is in heaven? We need to pray. God's kingdom does not happen by default. His works and His will are not established just by us doing nothing. But yet the incredible privilege that you and I have to enter into a place of prayer. To say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here in London, Lord. Here in my county, Lord. Here in my neighborhood. Here in my workplace, Jesus. Here amongst my family. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. I believe God wants to use you and your prayer. I hope and pray that you believe and you grow in your belief and your faith in the power of your prayers. A few things around prayer that I want us to consider in our time today. I believe there are many different types of prayers And two main types of prayers, if we could call it that way, the first one is the abiding prayer. Abiding prayer is so important. It's precious. Abiding prayer is there where we abide in Christ because outside of Him we can do nothing. Abiding prayer is the time where we are encouraged, where we are strengthened, where we bring our heart and our desires and our dreams before Jesus. And every one of us, we need that regularly, daily in our lives. We need to be with Him. We need to sit at His feet. However, I don't think that's the type of prayer that Jesus has called his disciples to here. I don't believe he's saying, guys, I'm going to go over there and sweat blood effectively. While you guys sit here and have an incredible time with the Father. And when I come back, I I want you to tell me all of the beautiful moments that he had in his presence. There's nothing wrong with those type of prayer, except that I don't believe that is what Jesus is calling his disciples to in this time. I believe he's calling them to a time of watching. He says, watch and pray. I always find it just slightly ironic that we close our eyes when we pray. nothing wrong with that. The instruction, though, is to watch. That watching, though, Mm -hmm. is is not about keeping our eyes open around the dinner table. It's about being aware of the situations we find ourselves in. I've listed just a a few differences here between abiding prayer and, and watching prayer. The one is about intimacy. The other, about purpose. One is about connecting with God. The other is establishing his ways. One is sitting at his feet. The other is marching alongside him. I want to encourage you to develop a a healthy life of prayer that includes abiding prayer as well as watching prayer. Prayer in which we sit at the feet of Jesus. Prayer where we hear his heart. Prayer where we spend time knowing him. But also prayer where we press into his kingdom. Prayer where we... Establish His ways, where prayer where we wrestle with the princes and the powers of darkness that Scripture holds before us. Prayer where we engage with the spirit and we allow the spirit of God to show us the deep things of God. Prayer where we pray for salvation and for deliverance. Prayer where we pray for healing and for breakthrough. Prayer where we establish the kingdom of God. Prayer where we wrestle over here, knowing that it changes something over there. Similarly, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we read in verse, verse, verses 1 to 4, once again from the New Living Translation I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good. And please, as God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God wants you and me to pray for all people, to pray everywhere. This message I've titled, Here, There, Everywhere. This morning, I would love for you to just be reminded that your prayer over here changes things over there. And that you and I, we're called to pray everywhere. Whether we can be there physically or not is slightly irrelevant. We're called to pray for everywhere. We're called to pray for all people. We're called to pray for kings and all who are in authority. we call, I guess, in this time specifically to pray for doctors and healthcare workers, for policemen. To pray for all people, all times, everywhere. I want to invite you to that. I want to invite you this morning perhaps to put up your hand and say, Jesus, I want to grow in prayer. Perhaps for some of us this morning, it's an encouragement to just say again, God, I've been praying. I want to just remain steadfast in my prayer. Perhaps some of us, if if we're really honest, we've grown just a little bit lazy in our prayers. Just like Peter, James and John falling asleep when we should have been praying. God believes in the power of your prayer. I believe he's inviting us to yoke with him, to join with him, to watch with him, to see his kingdom come. I'd like to share just some tips around prayer. The Bible teaches us that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Fervent prayer is a little bit easier to define as prayer that's from the heart, prayer that's in a way continuous. Effective prayer though, what is that? The Bible doesn't define it for us, but I do believe that we can glean a lot from the early church and how they prayed. I'd like for us to look at a prayer prayed here in Acts chapter four from verse 23. To 31 We're going to break that down and, and just see a few elements of their prayer. And as we grow in prayer, as we step out in prayer, as we continue to pray. As a church, we had a Zoom prayer meeting just yesterday as we were praying for our nation. Our president called a, a national day of prayer. We decided, let's pray together. We're not like coming together, but we came together virtually. We came together over Zoom. It was glorious as we had about 30 or 40 different people signing in to the Zoom meeting to pray together. To seek God's face. Let's continue to pray and see God's face. A few things here from Acts chapter 4. As soon as they were freed. This is Peter and John. And they'd been captured by the Pharisees. They'd been taken captive. And been told not to preach in the name of Jesus. Amongst other things. The church had been praying for them. They were a praying church. Because the church was praying for them. They were freed. And as soon as they were freed. Peter and John returned to the other believers. And told him what the leading priests and elders had said. The first thing that I believe we can see here from prayer, from effective prayer, is that effective prayer is informed prayer. Prayer that is knowledgeable. Prayer that has taken time to know the facts. Prayer that has read the newspaper. Not the fake news and the blogs and the latest social media craze. But prayer who's taken a bit of time to dig into the heart of matter to understand first of all what is the reality and what is happening and secondly prayer that is taking the time to say God what is your will around this God what would you want in our community in our nation in our city in this time God what do you want to do in our church in this time God what do you want to do in my relationships in my family in my friendships in my career in my workplace Jesus what is it you're doing Our, our prayer should always be informed and that's where the early church thought they prayed that Peter and John come to them and and tell them the truth, tell them the facts. Good prayer starts with good facts. When they heard the report, verse 24, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. I love the early church's initial response. They hear about the threats that have come against them. What is their first response? It's to pray. I remember many years ago in 9-11, An infamous day where I was busy studying for an exam. I was staying at a friend's place. and I was watching live news and saw live on TV as the the second plane crashed into the Twin Towers. That was the end of my studying done for that day. It was before the days of Facebook and WhatsApp. A friend phoned or might have sent a text message. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I do remember that he said, come and meet at my house and we're going to pray. We knew this was an important time in the history of man, in the history of our lives. And I so thank God for my friend, his initial reaction, his first reaction. He knew our response should be to pray. The early church's first response was to pray. Perhaps recently, just as the news of coronavirus and its implications have been breaking in our lives, I wonder what your first response was. I I hope it was to pray. I know in my life it wasn't always to pray. There were other things that I I thought perhaps I should do first. The early church, their first response was prayer. May that always be our default, our go to when we hear the news, that we would start by a moment of prayer. They believed in the power of their prayer. They believed that their prayer together there would change something outside. And then, secondly, they believed in the power of corporate prayer. They lifted their voices together. They didn't each go into their own rooms and lock the doors. Jesus commands us to pray like that, and we should definitely. But there's also a very strong and a clear biblical mandate that we come together to pray. We put our faith together. We agree in faith. We support one another in our prayer. We allow faith to rise up in our spirits and in our hearts. Let's be a people of corporate prayer, people who who come together to pray. I love that God hears all of our prayers at the same time. He has many, many ears, figuratively speaking. and He can listen to all of us praying. Praying His kingdom come and His will be done. Then they continue to pray, O Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in Him. so important for us to remember that uh, the power of our prayer is not in our prayer, its nature, the eloquence, the wording, the length, the volume. The power in our prayer lies in who we are praying to. The power in our prayer lies in the fact that we are praying to a living God who knows and hears our voice. A Christ who has risen from the grave, who is alive today and lives forevermore. Our prayer is to Him. I'm reminded of, of Samuel's mom, Hannah. She came to the temple to pray. She wanted a kid. She so badly wanted a kid. Eli, the priest, finds her and She's muttering. He thinks she's drunk. The power in her prayer was not in the how she prayed. It was that her heart was in that prayer. That somehow her heart was desperate and crying out to God. And God answered that prayer. And little Samuel was born. God looks at your heart. He looks at my heart as we pray. Verse 25. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against His Messiah. Another thing that I'd like to encourage you in your prayer, start from Scripture. Pray Scripture. The early church does this. They they start, they find an applicable, relevant Scripture. They find Scripture that speaks into their situation. And their prayer starts there. We need to remind ourselves of God's promises. I don't think we need to remind God about His promises. I think our reminding is our reminding ourselves. We forget and as we remind ourselves of God's promises, it stirs faith in our hearts. It stirs hope in our heart. It says, God, but you've already spoken to the situation. God, I, I don't have to be confused about my child who is struggling with their health because you've already given me a promise around my children's health, God. And so God, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm, I'm going to pray with faith and faith is going to rise in my heart when I allow Scripture to inform and to guide my prayers. Another important part about sc- praying Scripture is it allows us to truly pray His will. Not our will, but His will. When we pray Scripture, when we find Scripture that is aligned to our circumstances and we pray into that Scripture, we can know we pray in Jesus' will. We can pray with faith and we can pray with confidence. Verse 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Let's remind ourselves of God's purposes. When we pray scripture, we we know what, what he wants to do in every situation. Something else that we should be aware of is that prayer changes me. Prayer changes you. Prayer changes us way before it. It changes anything else about God. It allows us to align our will and our view with that of God. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their hearts and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Pray big prayers. Ask boldly if we're praying to a big living God who is alive. Why not pray prayers that are big? Why not pray prayers that only He can answer? Prayers that require faith. Pray that say, God, if you are God, God, come and do the most amazing things that you could imagine to do. Pray. Be active in our prayer. I find so often in our church that people are hesitant to pray because they're not sure what to pray always. I found to say to them, just think of one thing that amazing that could happen today. Just think of something that, God, if that was to happen in this situation, that would be so cool. And then pray that. Ask that. Pray that knowing that you can pray big prayers. You don't have to hesitate. You don't have to hold back. Our God, He is able And he is miraculous and he is powerful and he is willing and so eager to answer your prayers. After this prayer, the meeting took place. The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. The place where they prayed shook. Amazing as that is, I'm so amazed and encouraged, but that is not where the prayer was answered. The prayer wasn't answered in the shaking of the building because they didn't pray God shake the building. They prayed, God, give us boldness. Their prayer was answered when they stepped out in boldness. The prayer was answered when they stepped out and they said, Here, Lord Jesus, I come. God, we're going. We have prayed. God, we put our faith out and we expect you to answer. I wonder how often we are more surprised by God answering our prayer than by God not answering our prayer. Do we wake up in the morning knowing we've prayed yesterday and expecting for him to answer and surprised when he doesn't? Or do we pray not really expecting Him to answer and surprised when He does? I'm challenged by that. I'm praying. I'm saying, God, increase my faith. God, I want to believe that when I pray and i prayed according to Your Word, prayed according to Your will, that You will do it. But when I come home to my kids after we prayed and say, kids, remember the thing we prayed about? Well, it hasn't happened yet, so we need to pray again. Because we're expecting God to answer. And then lastly, as we close, I want us to read just a short passage in First Thessalonians chapter five, verses sixteen to eighteen. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's will, a large part of God's will, is for you to be praying. Be a person of prayer. Embrace prayer. Even this morning, I want to encourage you. Perhaps God is challenging and stirring in your heart as He is in mine to say, God, I want to be a person of prayer. I want to be a man of prayer. I want to be a woman of prayer. Perhaps right there where you are sitting, maybe you're with family, maybe you're with friends, maybe you're alone. Take a moment and turn to one another if you're alone. Just turn to God and begin to pray and say, God, I want to be a person of prayer. God, I believe that my prayer over here can change things over there. That when I'm praying praying to a God who is alive and who is living and powerful, the God who has risen from the grave, that my prayer changes things. God, I want to be a person of prayer. God, our our church, we want to be a, a church, a house of prayer for all nations. Isn't that what Christ said His church should be? His gathering should be a house of prayer for all nations. Let us be a people who pray. I want to invite you now to take a few moments and to pray to take a few moments perhaps to turn off the TV, to close everything else. The food can wait just a few moments to turn to the people around you and say, shall we pray for a few moments? And pray. Pray into whatever your family is going through. Pray into your situation. Pray for the friends and the people around you who know are struggling. Pray for the worldwide situation. Pray for the pandemic. Pray for that which God lays on your hearts in this moment to pray. Take that time to pray. Pray that I may come to you swiftly. I really do pray and hope that I may come and be with you face to face. Share meals with you and have some fun with you. Lay hands on some of us as we we pray together for the Spirit of the living God to let His kingdom come and His will to be done in London. Before you pray in your groups, would you give me a moment just to pray with you and pray for you from over here? Because I believe that my prayer over here will change something about where you are over there Lord Jesus I thank you this morning that you are able to hear our praise Lord Lord I thank you that as I pray for our friends our family brothers and sisters in the faith in London that you have worked and are working in their heart God I thank you that you are raising for yourself there a beautiful church Lord a house of prayer for all nations so I pray for them Holy Spirit that you would continue to lead them in prayer encourage them in prayer guide them in prayer That Jesus, right now, we know you're making prayer for us. You're interceding on our behalf. And so I pray that they would be a people of prayer. I pray that they would see you answering their prayers. I pray that they would grow in praying big prayers. And that as they pray those big prayers, that they would be bold to step out expecting you to answer. God, I pray that signs and wonders would be done through your holy servants there in London. I pray that as they go to their workplace, as they go to their friends, Lord God, I pray, God, that you would show yourself faithful on their behalf. I pray that you would knit their hearts together. I pray that you would lead and guide them in truth and in love. And God, as I shared earlier, I pray that I may visit them soon. I pray, God, that you would make a way, Lord, and even as my heart is expectant and looking forward to that day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.